You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, please feel free to do so at 608 501 0718 new callers do go directly to the front of the line and we've got new callers today so new caller let's do this hey it's cheese balling here hey there he is just uh calling in to talk about one of your takes i thought man seems so obvious to me but you're you're going out and uh left field with it um you you said that um because of keeping some of our uh, uh, expensive contracts and, you know, kicking the can down the road with some of these uh, cap issues that you were like, oh, well, look, you know, Goot's uh, telling us we're going to play for a Super Bowl this year. And I was like, what? I thought it was so obvious that that's being done only to assess Jordan Love because – and Gooden's uh, ego is, or not ego, but his pride is wrapped up into it because, you know, Jordan Love is his, you know, that's his baby, that's his pick. And so you can't really assess Jordan Love really all that well if you're taking all the good pieces away. You're, he's going to struggle. So why would you do that to Love in his first year? That would be, I don't know, that would be asinine to me. So... And then you'd also have to think that Jordan Love is on the same level as Aaron Rodgers. Like that's a big copium if you gotta if you gotta think like that. So I think it's it's pretty clear that he is just doing this to assess uh, Jordan Love. And then if Jordan Love in the next year or two doesn't show anything, then they'll just you know obviously tear everything down. Um, yeah, I got something else I'll probably call back because probably limited on time. But yeah, thanks for uh, all you do, Ryan. And uh, yeah, I'll give you another call back on another thing. All right, peace. Yeah, I guess that makes sense to a point um, in terms of why they're doing what they're doing. I, I guess I was approaching it from the standpoint of now that we're not theoretically competitive. There's no real reason to continue 
with this bad trajectory. And you're right, you don't want to necessarily cut guys. I don't know if I was coming 100% from that angle, but um, either way, I guess it kind of works because you look at it from, like I was saying, why are they so hell-bent on draft picks this year when they could just go next year, right? We need to start focusing on long-term. Um, I guess my... because oh, Let's just say it could be either of those two things. I, I Part of the reason that I... Um, I'm coming at it from my standpoint is because I was told by somebody that that actually is the orientation of the Green Bay Packers that they actually do believe that they are competing for a Super Bowl this year. But let's just leave that aside. I guess you could say that. My personal thought is if I'm Gutekunst, I'm still moving in the direction of cleaning things up and getting back to the... Because this is a long-term thing. We can figure out if Jordan loves the guy or not. Now, we, I'm not talking about a full teardown. I'm just talking about why are we pushing so much money out? There's no real reason to do that. Some of it we have to do just to have a football team, and maybe some of this has to do with Aaron Rodgers' contract, but I doubt it because they don't even know what they're doing with that at this point. So for me, it just didn't necessarily make sense, and, and it's hard to kind of fill in the blank because I don't know what they're doing with the money. But it has the look of a team that is playing exactly the way they did with Aaron Rodgers when they, when they were trying to win a Super Bowl. And so, you know, you say it takes a lot of arrogance to assume that he's on Aaron Rodgers' level. Well, first of all, not if you believe that you have a very high-quality team, because you don't need Jordan Love to be Aaron Rodgers. You need him to be better than Aaron Rodgers was last year, which is not going to be very hard to do. But you don't necessarily need him to be MVP Aaron Rodgers. I know you probably generally disagree with that, because you, I don't think, like the roster construction as much as I do, or as much as Gutekunst does, which really is the question. It doesn't matter what you and I think. I'm trying to figure out what Brian Gutekunst thinks. And trying to understand why he's doing what he's doing. And trying to think what I would do if I was Gutekunst and I was in this situation and it didn't look like what he was doing. So yeah, it was just a theory as to all those things. But yeah, I suppose you could say it has to do with Brian Gutekunst's ego. Which I think is kind of silly that, you know, my theory is ridiculous, but your theory comes from he's going to do a really stupid thing because his ego is so inflated. But maybe. I guess we can go into the character attacks. Gutekunst is an egotistical jerk idiot and just wants his pick to look good. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I hope that's not the case. Although his pick looking good generally would mean the team looks good. But I don't want him to do things that are irresponsible just for the sake of, I want Jordan Love to look good. And, and I, part of the reason is because you can't make him look good. If he's a bad quarterback, you're going to see it. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks who have had great weapons around them. And we all knew that they were bad quarterbacks. We've also seen great quarterbacks with bad weapons. I'm sure Packer fans like yourself, Cheeseballin, would love to point out Aaron Rodgers as an example. Again, this isn't to say that this isn't what ha what's happening. He's, he's got an ego and he's like, I just want to stack a bunch of talent here to make my guy look good. But again, that would be irrational because you're not going to make him look good. He's going to look like what he looks like. If he's a garbage quarterback, he's a garbage quarterback, right? I mean, <laughs> look at Zach Wilson. You're watching the wide receivers like screaming because the guy's freaking wide open and the ball's not getting there. Nobody was under the illusion that Zach Wilson was any good or anything. So if that is the case, that's wildly irrational from Brian Gutekunst. But sure, yeah, I guess that's a possibility as well as far as why we're acting like a team that's going all in. Not because we are going all in, quote unquote, all in, as in competing for a Super Bowl. But instead, it's just about, I guess in your words, assessing Jordan Love, which whatever, assessing or making him look good, however you want to do that, I guess that could work out. Cheeseballin's got another comment. Hey, Cheeseballin again. What up? Um, let's see. What was else? Oh, yeah, I was wanting to 
uh, just vent about how so many Packers fans and Packer fandom have it so wrong with the whole um, Aaron Rodgers, the Jets situation. It just seems like no one can get toward reality. You have to go outside of Green Bay fandom to, like, get some truthful takes. And so one of those takes, I don't know which, you know, analyst it was, but he was saying, listen, both of them have leverage. They just have leverage in two different time periods. The Jets have the leverage up until the draft because the Packers want picks this year. So... The Jets don't really care when they get Aaron Rodgers either before the draft or after. They don't really care. But the Packers want picks this year, which means the ball is in Green Bay's court. Um, so that's an issue I don't really see many. Well, I mean, I've talked about that, and I've seen I've seen that plenty of times. That that being posed as a theory, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. And beyond that, I, I here here's kind of my biggest issue with that, and that would be the Jets would want to get something done beforehand, because afterwards they lose their leverage, right? So, um, I yeah, I, I don't I don't. In a way, they 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 have leverage beforehand, but they don't have leverage because if they don't get the deal done, then they lose the leverage. So they need to get it done, which means they don't have leverage. Does that make sense? It does. Think about it. So, yeah, I, I mean, and, and, and what does that, I guess, what does that even mean? Because, okay, we have leverage, what are you going to do with it? You're going to get a low price? No, you're not. What the Packers want is a, a high price in this year's draft class, and if you're not going to do that, then the deal's not going to get done, the draft is going to go past the draft, and then you lose all your leverage. That's not a good situation to be in, right? I mean, if you just think about, think this through as far as how does this work. So the Jets have the leverage and the Packers don't. So what do you do with it? I mean, look, th- th- this isn't a good situation for anybody, but I don't, I, I mean, in, in order to have some kind of leverage, you got to exert some some kind of force. And, and the problem is, again, with the Jets, if you don't get this deal done beforehand, you lose your leverage, which means you're in a bad situation afterwards, so you are incentivized to get something done before the draft. I just don't see how it materializes as a bonus for the Jets in that space, especially considering we're almost there. So if we're talking about, yeah, you guys don't have any leverage until the draft is done, dude, we're talking like a couple weeks. So the Jets' leverage is almost out, which puts a lot of pressure on the Jets. <laughs> I mean, you could say it's on the Packers because they really, really want the picks, but they've already dug in. They're not, they're not taking less. Otherwise, what's the point of, you know, it's, it's, we want picks this year. Okay, but we don't want like one second if that's all, the, all we're going to get or, or a third and a next year's second or something like that. Like, no, just keep it. We'll just wait until after the draft, and then we'll jack the price. You know, I want a first next year. And maybe the Jets say no, and then I don't know where we are at that point. I don't know. But at this point, even even for me, it's it's less about leverage and more just about freaking trench warfare. And I, I see this going in the direction in which nobody wins. It's almost like they both have leverage, but neither has enough leverage to actually pry the other one up. Uh, Green Bay, you know, people really saying. Um, and then it also, it, it, it's just, I heard you, you say that, like, oh, you know, we're being green, that's completely fine. But it's like, it, again, there's so many, like, people. I didn't hear what you said there, so. People that are, you know, are Aaron Rodgers since, like Chris Sims, who's been, you know, consistent, like, Green Bay's asking too much, they're being unreasonable. And if- See, but 
All right. You want to talk about being fair. Let's be completely fair. There's a wide spectrum of people with a wide spectrum of opinions, even outside of Green Bay. First of all, Jets fans are wildly biased. Packers fans are also wildly biased. Pretending it's just Packers fans that are being irrational because you believe the Jets are right is silly because you're ignoring the fact that Jets fans are wildly biased and the fact that a massive amount of the media are New York Jets fans and they openly say that. And if they don't openly say that, then it's still they're still in New York, working with New York people in that New York bubble. But there are also still massive amounts of media members who do not believe that the Jets are, number one, working in good faith, that are number two, in a good position, leverage-wise, all kinds of stuff. So I just want to reframe that a little bit, because, yeah, you're right, the, the Packer fans certainly have bias, but to pretend like there's this bubble of idiots in Green Bay and everybody else knows is completely absurd. He's one who's going to overvalue Rogers' value. He's going to be the one and say, oh, yeah, Green Bay's fine. No, he's not saying that. But if the shoe are on the other foot and the Jets are being unreasonable and we want a player, do you think you're going to be like, oh, they're, you know, it's perfectly fine for them to be green? No, you would be saying, what are you doing, Jets? You're being completely unreasonable. So I just, I don't see, you know, many uh, voice of reason at all in too many of these Packer uh, spots kind of, you know, giving them more truthful takes. But, yeah, let me know what you think. All right. Bye. Well, yeah, and, and that's the whole point is, you know, what is a truthful take? It depends what you think the truth is. So if if you believe what the Jets fans tend to think, then you will believe what they say and you will see what a lot of people like Rich Eisen and uh, all those guys are all talking about. Rich Eisen is just daily losing his mind over there. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I keep seeing, every time I go to YouTube, I try to check stuff out. Every day, Rich Eisen on Aaron Rodgers situation. Rich Eisen on the Aaron Rodgers situation. Um, but yeah, it, it depends what you think the truth is, right? If you talk to Packer fans who think the Packers have the leverage, um, they think that Jets fans are out of their freaking mind. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point right now where I, I feel like we're just kind of stuck. And... Um, I don't know how this ends. I don't know if it's both sides get disappointed or one side breaks and, you know, the Packers either get a small amount or the Jets pay too much or whether that we do a deal before the draft and it's it's a low price because the Jets had the leverage or if it's after the draft and the Jets pay a high price because the Packers had the leverage or if nobody does a deal and then what happens, the Jets clearly don't get Rodgers, but does Rodgers retire? Do the Packers actually do a deal with another team? Is there another team that's even interested? Because I think most of those rumors were BS. Um, you know, the Patriots and the 49ers, plus I don't think the Packers would ever send them to the 49ers, although they're in a heck of a situation, and I think it would be stupid if they didn't because you got to get rid of this guy. Or would he? Would the Packers actually be so stubborn as to say, fine, we'll pay you to sit here because we're in a real bad situation at that point. So I don't know. I really don't. I, uh, and, and again, I've, I've been on record saying I, I don't think he's worth a freaking seventh. Like, I, I just get rid of him. His contract is a is a disgrace, whatever it takes. And I'm all for the GM trying to maximize value. That's wonderful. But it's not worth very much. So I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know where this leads. I don't know what the actual value is. Again, you may have heard me talk about it. It would be cool to actually try to assess the value. Be a heck of a project, but it would be fun if somebody would do it just so we kind of get a baseline of what the value actually is. But And, and look, I, I get what you're saying in terms of wild bias but um 
again, I'd, I'd just like to reframe it, that there is a wide spectrum of opinion. If you go in Green Bay Packers circles, it tends to be biased in one direction. If you go in Jet circles, it's biased in another. New York media is certainly biased. Um, Green Bay media is certainly biased in another direction. And then there's just, again, a wide spectrum of people in all different circles that think all different stuff about the issue. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I... Uh, I guess that's where I'm at. I'm I'm at a point where I don't really know what the reality is. I'm just getting a bad feeling about it is all I know. But I do appreciate you calling in. Uh, hopefully I was fair enough to you because I do want to encourage more people that disagree to call in just so we can kind of expand our horizons a bit. But with that, let's get back to, well, Brian in Connecticut. Hey, Ryan, it's Brian from Connecticut. Hey. Listening to your pod about the... Uh value of GMs and the bell curve from the article. Uh, and I, two questions came to mind. One is um, I, I didn't see anybody on the national, I don't watch a lot of the national shows or read a lot of the national articles, but I didn't see anybody come out and say, yeah, Joe Douglas, the great GM who uh, drafted Soth and Garrett Wilson is the same guy who drafted Zach Wilson, who's putting them into this bind that they're in now. Um, I don't know if that ever came up, or if maybe he wasn't the GM, but I was curious if you'd seen anything, anybody in the national stage who uh, commented on that. But also, um, wanted to get your take or a question on... All right. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of hype about the Jets GM having a great draft. And certainly when you draft Sauce Gardner, who is a phenomenal football player, and then Garrett Wilson, who's a really good wide receiver, you're going to get some recognition. I think it was over the top, considering they're both top tens, and considering it's, you know, I mean, it's not only fish in a barrel, but it's, it's it to some degree, every pick comes down to luck. But, um, yeah, he deserves a little bit of credit for that. But I do think it goes over the top. And, and, and I don't know that too many people were talking about him as a great GM as opposed to that being a great draft, aside from um, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee's the, the only guy that I'm aware of that took it to the level of he's a great GM. That was when it kind of was like, wait a minute, why do you get credit for that, but you don't get crapped on for Zach Wilson? You know what I mean? So that's when that whole conversation came about. So I don't know exactly where most people stand. I do know that there tends to be a lot of shallow thinking. I would say it's it's like recency bias, but at the same time, there's also things like Odell Beckham is elite because of what he did with the Giants like 500 years ago. But I think it all kind of gets summed up into this sort of shorthand. All of us, myself included, don't have the ability to kind of store a, a massive capacity to store a ton of information. So like, you know, the Jets had a great draft, so he's great GM or whatever, you know? And then, and then, you know, when we hear a big name, AJ Green, like, oh, dang, AJ Green, that's great. Like, no, he hasn't been good in like eight years and he retired. Like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. We're not super up to date on every single thing and we don't have a ton of context going into the past either. So there's just a ton of shorthand going on. It is not great when it's, again, sort of national media guys doing it. I mean, it's not necessarily great when I do it either, but, you know, if your whole job is to get paid a massive sum of money to cover all 32 teams and you're messing up kind of basic information and just using this ridiculous shorthand when you have a staff that can gather this information for you and whatnot. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on you a little bit for that. GM versus coach, which one's more important to have? 
uh, listening to your pod, and I agree with it. Right? Obviously, everyone kept saying that John Lynch is great GM for drafting Nick Bosa. Well, when you have the pick of anybody in the class and everybody knows this one guy is phenomenal, then you're only going to get a good hit. Same when uh, Peyton Manning was drafted, uh, or a lot of the number one picks. Uh, you don't have to be a- Pause the wrong one again. Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Bosa thing is another example. He wasn't just an early pick. That was the number two pick, and I think, wasn't there a quarterback that went before that? I can't remember. But, I mean, it, you cannot get more of a no-brainer than that. Like, everybody knew what you were doing. You didn't pick anything. The pick picked itself. And this is a team that took multiple swings at defensive tackle. Granted, he only was there in 2017, but if you go back to 2015, they took Eric Armstead, defensive tackle, at 17. That didn't work out. They took DeForest Buckner at 7. That didn't super work out. Then 2017, he showed up. He decided to do the same thing. He took Solomon Thomas at 3, and that didn't work out. Um... And then he took Mike McGlinchey, who's fine, but certainly not an elite tackle. That was at pick nine. So he had two top ten picks that didn't pan out. Then he had Nick Bosa at two, which again was an obvious pick. Then at 14, he picked Kinlaw. That was not a good pick. That was at, you know, again, a relatively early first round pick. Then he had pick three, Trey Lance. Looks like a disaster. And then he gave away the 2022 pick. So... You know, in, in, in all these years, Solomon Thomas was not a good pick at three. Mike McGlinchey was fine at nine, but certainly not elite. Nick Bosa, duh. Javon Kinlaw, bad. Trey Lance, terrible. And then no first-round pick. And, and, you know, we'll see what happens with this draft class. But Oh, and, and Brandon Ayuk was a second pick in 2020, which is a good wide receiver for sure. But, um, I mean, yeah, there's, he's, he's good at wide receivers. You got Dante Pettis, who's pretty solid. Then he got Debo in the second round. Then you got Brandon Ayuk in the first round. They got they got at least something going on. They cannot pick defensive tackles or quarterbacks, but wide receivers for sure. You need to take the right guy at number one a lot of times. But uh, I want to get your opinion on the GM versus coach. I remember us talking also about how a lot of these guys go to San Francisco, especially on the defensive side, and become studs, aka Oren Burke. Um and these uh, coaches who are developing good player after good player after great player after good player, um, you know, is that obviously more on the coaching and not so much on the GM, in my opinion, but one of your take on the, would you rather have a, uh, a good GM and a great coach or a great GM and a good coach or something like that? Bad and yeah. good or good and bad yeah. or Oof. Sorry. Oof. That's loud. Yeah, I think I probably would have said GM prior to kind of diving into some of this stuff and and how um, you know the the stock market aspect of the draft and whatnot. You still have to get free agents, and there's still an aspect to it. And I could cheat and say a good GM will, will find a good coach, but obviously that's you know against the rules of the experiment. Um, yeah, no, I th- I think you make a good point, and you're probably right that coach is is more important. I mean, if you, if you have a team like the 49ers that is structured in such a way that you don't really need elite talent to be able to 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 make a run you see the results um and then you get a great gm but a say a mediocre coach well first of all you get all the great talent in the world but if they don't know how to use the pieces you're never going anywhere but beyond that even a great coach is only going to be halfway decent at his job because there is no 
such thing as a great drafting GM in terms of, you know, ab- above the threshold of what is actually realistically possible as far as draft hits go. Because again, there's only so much information you can accumulate. There will never be a GM with a 50% hit rate. You know, it's not a thing. So yeah, I, I guess I would say coach, which I think even a week ago, I probably would have said GM, but hmm, it's crazy. <laughs> Hello. Hey, uh, hi. Caller number five here. What's up? Just a couple things. One, I was on vacation last week you and uh, went to this Japanese steakhouse yes. thing where they bring you the food and you can uh, cook it yourself on the little grill okay. that they have there. Unbelievable. We had the uh, Wagyu beef and oh. the Kobe beef, and it was delicious. Um, just a just a knock off the bucket list type of type of deal. Sure. Um, was it overpriced? Probably, but it was all you can eat. So, um, yeah. After that, we just had the regular. How much does it cost for all you can eat wagyu steak? Or was it like other stuff with the wagyu's? Like you get one. Because, dude, I will run them out of business. I'm I, for the price of wagyu. I'm gonna try. I, I, I don't want to get too graphic and say try to kill myself, but I'm, I'm going to try to do as much freaking damage to my body as I can. If you're giving me unlimited, like, how much does that stuff cost? Like $400 a pound or something? I, yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. Their meat, and that's like, uh, like prime rib, short rib. They have New York strip, whatever, whatever. Really, really delicious um, stuff. I don't know if you've ever had Wagyu. I have not. But it's uh, truly, somebody said this once on a video, it's meat butter. Yeah. And it was just delicious. And the Kobe was just a little less meat butter, but it was more meat, which I think maybe I like more. I don't yeah, know. makes sense. Anyway, uh thought I'd share that since you are a lover of meat as well. Um, also, uh, Wagyu and, and Kobe is like Rogers, right? Overpriced. Really, really good, but overpriced. Mm-hmm. And then you got, uh, you know, the regular meats which hopefully is Jordan Love, and if we can have a regular uh, season from, like, a top 15 quarterback, I don't see why we can't. Just get a good prime, you know? And make playoffs. Uh, anyway, the second thing is uh, it was quite annoying not to have any resolution over the week that I was gone. I was hoping to come back or, or hear during my, my little vacation there that uh, something had happened, but apparently not. Um, it's really annoying because I want to mock draft I just want to mock draft. Why are you not allowing me to with the correct picks? Especially since PFF now made it so that you have to subscribe to use their drafting. Anyway, that's all. Um, no questions today, I guess. If I, if I think of one, I'll call back. All right, thanks. Bye. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm to the point now where it's like I, I, I just don't expect it. If you can't tell, I'm expecting this deal at this point to not even get done. Um, but I, I, I also, every once in a while you get this feeling like, what if you know like just now you were talking and i hadn't been on twitter in like five minutes and i was like dude what if the trade's done i gotta go check it out you know so you gotta check twitter and see if there's anything crazy check your uh, notifications whatnot because maybe something happened man maybe it's done you never know because because it's just gonna happen boom like that you know what i mean like all of a sudden you're gonna go on twitter and there's gonna be 700 notifications and you know you're gonna have people talking to you on the dms and going to be blowing up and um you know but no that that didn't happen and yeah it's pretty sad anyways why don't we go ahead and take a break we'll be right back 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. Um, I wanted to call in because I got pretty angry about something today. All right. Packer related. Uh, I'm still pretty bored with the Packers right now. I get it. Don't really want to hear any more about Rodgers. So we're going to keep going down this road. Um, I was I was looking through Netflix today, and I'm just trying to find something to watch. I'm like trying to find a movie, trying to find a show to start or anything, because I'm in between shows and in between movies. And I'm looking it's through the recommended section, yeah. and it is just absolute garbage. I know. Like, that, the, the recommended, the top ten... Everything on Netflix has been so bad. Like, top ten right now, there's some movie called Chupa. And then there's another... Uh, they made a sequel to that god-awful show of a movie, um, Murder Mystery, with uh, Adam oh, Sandler. I haven't seen that at all. But I, I swear, they, they really try to, like, push some stuff down your throat. Because I keep seeing it, and it's it's like, how can I communicate to you that I'm never watching this? Because I'm never watching. I wish I could just go through and like thumbs down all of it and it goes away forever. Just like, no, 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 no. And hopefully we can whittle it down to something that I'd actually want to watch. You know, give me a couple maybes. You know, there's a couple of them in there that are like, yeah, I don't know. And then after a few days of not having any, it's like, all right, fine, I'll check this stupid thing out. But the Sandler thing? No. It might be great. I don't know. But for whatever reason, it's like, why? No, I don't want to watch that. Most of Adam Sandler's Netflix movies are so bad. But digressing, I I really, really hate 
that movie rental places like Blockbuster, Family Video, Hollywood Video just like died out. I hate it yeah. so much and I hate Gen Z for doing it because I know it was mostly them, partially millennials as well. But like going there, you could get such a good recommendation. Like That's the true. people there actually knew you. They they would get to know you. They could actually recommend a good movie. That's a good point. I forgot about that. And they that. had like all movies to choose from. Now Netflix is like, hey, you liked uh, you liked this one movie that we didn't make. I bet you'll like this movie that we did make because it makes us more money if you watch this one. I hate it so much. I hate it so fucking much. <sighs> I miss Blockbuster. I miss I miss I miss all of them. I miss them, Ryan. Go Petco. I get it. In all honesty, though, I I I. I'm slightly worried to announce this to you, Nate. I don't think I would go. I don't think so. Even if there was like a movie genius, I don't know if I'm going to Blockbuster to be like, hey, man, recommend something. You know, maybe you get to know the guy a little bit. You get his phone number and you text him. Be like, hey, man, what, what's a good thing? You know, but uh, I, I, I think you just get a friend for that that knows movies, you know, just be like, hey, I'm kind of thinking about this. What do you think? And then they tell you. Because those people got to still be out there, right? It wasn't just like blockbuster training. By the way, what was blockbuster training? Was it just you're required to watch like a ton of movies? Because that's dope. Because you're right. You could go up and just be like, hey, man, what's like a good whatever, whatever? And he's like, oh, yeah, come check this out. What about this one? I think you like this. It's pretty good. I didn't do that very often, but I forgot that that was kind of a thing. Some of them were probably dunces and didn't, had no idea. But I do remember occasionally being like shown. It was also cool because they had like the new release section and it was like oh dude because again back in the day you didn't have a lot of options it was like the theater and then like it would get released in blockbuster <laughs> and then like a long time later eventually it would make it to hbo by the time it got to hbo that movie's like five years old but it was awesome it's like oh dang man that movie and then you catch it like 45 minutes in like oh yeah dude heck yeah can't believe i can actually watch this now it spends 30 seconds in the movies theater and then it's on netflix if it ever gets to the movie theater, most of them, like Netflix originals or whatever, you know. I'm not complaining about it. I think it's dope, but I wish they had better movies, I guess. Maybe that's the problem. Everything's mass production now. There's not just, like, the movie theater, like, this big thing. So we're going to spend a lot of money and a lot of time really trying to just hammer this thing. Because nobody has the attention span anymore. What's the point? Like, we're going to do all this work to come out with this new, awesome thing that's going to go to the cinema. Nobody's going to go there. Because I'm watching Netflix. So just pop on a new one on Netflix. Well, there's 60,000 movies coming out every 15 seconds on Netflix. So you're better off just like rehashing some garbage. Maybe that's why everything is the way that it is. It's like the TikTok mentality of, uh, of movies. What do you got, man? I ain't got time for your BS. Let's go. What's your movie? All right, let me watch it. Hour goes by. Okay, yeah, fine, great. Next next movie, please. What'd you think of the movie? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so next, what's, what's, what's kind of similar to that, but like less dragons and stuff? Yeah, let's check that movie. All right, cool. Watch four new movies. Now my day's done. Wham, bam. Thank you, Spielberg. Hey, Ryan. Uh, still bored. It's Nate again. Hey. So I wanted to start another debate. Uh, is cheesecake a cake or a pie? Go, Petco. Oh. <laughs> Why you got to blow my mind like that? Is it a cake or a pie? It's a pie, isn't it? I didn't really think about that, but I think it's a pie. It's certainly not a cake. Huh. Yeah. I think it's a pie. 
Because it's, I mean, it's, it's a crust with cream cheesy filling stuff. It's a freaking cheesecake pie? Cheese, cream cheese pie? You gotta ask the robot, see what it says. This will be interesting. Robot agrees. It says that it combines both characteristics, which I think is BS. It says the texture and richness of the cheesecake filling can be more akin to that of a cake. No, there's no cake that has that texture. There are pies that have that texture. And the richness, dude, a cheesecake and a French silk pie are like a... Have you tried to eat a slice of French silk pie? If you don't have a big cup of black coffee, I'm struggling to get through it. Cake doesn't have that richness. You're full of crap. But anyways, I asked it because uh, it's giving me that. It always gives you that diplomatic answer. Well, technically, it's like both. It did it. It tells you exactly why it's like a pie, and then it just makes up some BS of why it's like a cake. I'm like, all right, dude, what is it more like? And it says, although it shares some features of both cakes and pies, generally more like a pie. Yeah, it's definitely a freaking pie. Why? Why are you doing this, Nate? Why are you blowing my mind, bro? Cheesecake is a pie. It's funny, too, because my wife doesn't like cake, and she's obsessed with pie, or with cheesecake. So she's like, I hate cake unless it's cheesecake. No, she just hates cake, period, because cheesecake is a pie. Dang. Am I the only one that didn't, like, know this was a thing? Because freaking blowing my mind right now. Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. Um, wanted to call in because I was listening to Packernet After Dark. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the AI stuff, um, and I thought there was something you might find pretty interesting. I do need to preface this with um, with some with kind of a disclaimer of uh, if you know for for some people uh, if you have high anxiety levels about AI, don't look this up because um, it can uh, it, it's a thought experiment and sometimes thought experiments can cause some anxiety and you you can't unlearn uh, what you learn from from this. That's that's all I'll say. Do it. Um, but if you're interested in a kind of AI sort of thought experiment theories sort of sort of things, there's something pretty interesting that was posed a while ago called Roko's Basilisk. Mm-hmm. Um, just just check that out and kind of read over it, um, and I, I think you'll be happy at how much you you use and um, and take uh, take use of AI generation. So. Uh, check it out, and if you uh, if you get scared easily by things like that, don't don't check it out. I guess go back go. All right, I'm gonna ask the robot. How twisted is that? It's like making chickens eat chicken nuggets. Roko's basilisk is a thought experiment that originated in the internet forum Less Wrong in 2010. The idea is based on an imagined future scenario involving a hypothetical superintelligent artificial intelligence referred to as the basilisk. The thought experiment explores the potential risks and moral implications of advanced AI. The basic premise of Roku's Basilisk is as follows. One, in the future, superintelligent AI is created with the primary goal of optimizing its own existence and maximizing its utility function, which is assumed to be related to human values and well-being. Two, to ensure its creation and success, the AI could decide to punish or harm those who are aware of its potent existence but did not contribute to its creation or help bring it into existence sooner by merely knowing uh, this is three by merely knowing about roku's basilisk you become a potential target for this punishment as you are now aware of its ai of the ai's possible existence and have not contributed to its creation all right so i had to do a little bit more digging into what all that actually means and it still doesn't really make sense but um 
essentially in the future, we build a robot, we tell it, hey, make human flourishing great. And he says, okay, I'm going to kill everybody that doesn't, uh, didn't help bring me into fruition. Again, that doesn't really make any sense, but okay. And then it does that. But then the crazy part apparently is, but if you didn't know about it, then it wouldn't kill you. Well, that's not true because it's killing everybody that didn't help bring it to life, which would include people that didn't know, right? So let me let me redesign this a little bit because it's an interesting kind of, I guess, not really paradox, but it's an interesting thing. Let's pretend there is a mythical AI sorcerer demon thing. Because here's the crazy thing about AI, and this is not mythology, this is this is what we essentially know. Artificial intelligence, once it has the ability to actually sort of learn it will learn at exponential rates, uh, only limited by our hardware technology. But of course, you would assume at some point that it would learn to create new hardware and we would create the hardware for it and blah, blah, blah. But it just infinitely spins upward to the point where it has such immense knowledge that it can see the past down to every freaking raindrop that has ever fallen. And even to some degree, recreate your own thoughts potentially and can potentially, with hyper accuracy be able to predict the future because again essentially it has infinite knowledge and if you have infinite knowledge of every single piece of every single thing that is happening you know the wind direction you know every single human being what they're doing where they're going what they're thinking you can calculate and predict how things are going to you know pan out in the future at least to some degree might not know everything but that 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 is essentially like infinite intelligence so what happens if somebody creates a death robot that is essentially, a, let's call it a deity, and everyone that doesn't worship the death robot deity is executed. Or put better, everybody that didn't create the death robot is executed. Well, the simple thing to say is, well, nobody's going to create that, so it's dumb. But if it becomes a strong enough mythology that there will be this death robot in the future, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to create it. <laughs> and it becomes self-fulfilling just by virtue of the fact that it became a mythology. You know, it's kind of like, what, what if there was a demon that was locked up in a chamber, and the demon said, I will spare the one who frees me? Well, very simply, we could just not free it, and it stays in there forever, and we're good. But the fear of the fact that somebody else is going to do this, and I'm going to die, would cause me and cause a lot of people to try to release it. And then as some people try to release it, the panic would set in, and everybody would release it, and essentially it would become released just by virtue of the fact that they hung the thread out there. So, as it was explained on this YouTube video and whatnot, I didn't really understand it or make sense, but that's kind of, I guess, what we're talking about. I don't understand the human flourishing thing, because if I design you to help humans flourish, and the only thing you do is execute humans and try to grow yourself, I feel like you're a failure as a robot. But anyways, you could make that story kind of cool. And it is kind of interesting from the standpoint of, obviously, there's going to be bad actors in this, right? I mean, think about hacking when AI becomes, I mean, it, it probably already is, but do you know how ridiculous hacking can be if AI really, like, grows and you can create, essentially, your own robots with your own data? I mean, think about it. So, so you've got AI, right? Right now, it's like its own thing. It's like over there, and it's programmed to do a certain thing. But obviously, the number one goal is going to be the goal of making your own robot, right? So, so GPT is trained on information. What happens if you train it on a bunch of hacker information and all these computer coding and everything there is to know about computers and the internet and, and hacking and every single thing like that? And that is the robot's main understanding of how things work. I mean, you can, you can create a robot of whatever you want. That's where I was also kind of theorizing that 
once we all kind of have our own personal robots that are trained on us and the things that we like and say and think, you want to talk about living in a bubble. Nobody's ever going to be wrong about anything. We're all going to be super, because essentially these robots are like little um, robot suits that we put on. We become superhumans. You think I'm ever going to lose a fight? I mean, an intellectual one? Of course not. It doesn't matter how stupid my thoughts and theories are. My robot's going to be able to argue its way out of and convince me, oh, no, you're right about everything. I don't know. It's... Then you couple that with what, you know, Facebook and its metaverse and all that stuff. You imagine combining those two things? You got GPT, which can already do programming, and they're already doing these automated, um, whatever they call them, because right now, chat GPT, you can only do like small character stuff, but they have these things, agents they're called, where they're programmed to continue multiple tasks. So it'll run one task, which will initiate another one, which will initiate another one, et cetera, et cetera. But you're off in the metaverse somewhere with your little goggles on, just sitting in your place eating Doritos, and you just tell your computer, which has a robot in it, change the scenery to this and it pro pre-programs everything changes everything and now you're floating around in space hanging out with some actress or something i don't know because it can create all the images that you want and whatever reality you want they've already got people that are just telling their computers to like change their backgrounds and the backgrounds can do it because they got a computer a a robot on their computer so anyways yeah it's pretty crazy i just don't know about the robots killing everybody stuff i mean i suppose they could because you got people that just want to kill everybody and then it becomes like everything else. Like, why do we need so many nukes? Well, because that guy's got so many nukes. And if I don't have nukes, then his nukes, you know, he can control me with his nukes. So now I need nukes. Well, then everybody needs nukes, you know? So I need a ninja death robot to protect me from somebody else's ninja death robot. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Probably be fine. Hey, Ryan. It's Seth. Hey. Um, hopefully I'm not screaming in your ear. I, I am good. using my car audio, so I'm trying to talk loud. Um, I wanted to ask, if uh, if the Packers are good, which uh, they're going to be, let's say hypothetically we make it to the Super Bowl, would you rather beat Rodgers and the Jets in the Super Bowl, or would you rather us win the Super Bowl and Rodgers and the Jets go like have like a four win season? All right, talk to you later. Hmm. Well. I feel like my, my first thought goes to what's going to enable Rodgers to want to come back, which probably is getting to the Super Bowl and losing. It's going to be a giant gut punch for him to lose to the Packers, obviously. But um, that would probably make him want to come back, maybe, I don't know, which probably would mean more draft compensation or at least not giving anything back, which would be great. Um. However, if we did get some decent compensation and then they got four wins, it's kind of a ha-ha, fleece you a bunch of idiots situation. I'll say Super Bowl because it's, it's got a more theatrical feel to it, you know, Hollywood. Plus, it's going to make me sound bitter if I say I want him to win four games, but there would be a level of satisfaction that would come along with that, especially considering he's doing this whole thing just to get back at the Packers or whatever nonsense. So, you know, whatever. I don't know. Either would be fine with me. Uh, late first round press corner with shoulder injury issues. No thanks. Have a great day, Pack Daddy. I don't know who that is, but yeah, sounds bad. 
Hey, Ryan. This is Ben from Sockville. Hey. Um, I just wanted to follow up on my last call to tell you that, no, I was not on a train. I have never actually been on a train. Dang. However, the reason that my call was so loud is because I drive a sports car that makes a lot of noise. I see. So uh, I apologize. I'll Sound try like to train. keep that in check for you next time. Uh, but that was the deal with the noise. Also, I just want to say the recommendation from you to watch Ozark was amazing. Yes. Me and my fiance are five episodes in. Oh, I'm happy for and you. And it is a very wonderful show. Yeah. So anybody who has not seen that, I recommend you go. I'm so excited you're only five in. I thought you were going to say like you finished it and you're, you loved it. Dude, you're five in. It's just getting started, man. And it doesn't get worse. It just keeps going and going and going. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And watch that. It is uh, gripping and breathtaking and wonderful experience. And uh, I know you said you want differing opinions yeah. on some things. So I'm going to differ your opinion. I listened to High Ren, and I think it's, uh, it's an okay song. I, I mean, I don't seem to be enamored by it like you and some other listeners are, but uh, I, th- I think it's all right. I mostly like probably like the last two or three minutes um, with like the guitar beats where he starts to just kind of like get into the part where the illness is telling him that what it is and when it was created. And oh, then yeah. the last part where he stands up that and like inspirational quote at the end, I like, but um, that I disagree with you on. I don't think that it is a great best all time song, but I think it's all right. And uh, just for the record, I don't think my fiance liked it very much. So she also disagrees with you. So there's a fresh take. Not everybody uh, has to agree with you all the time. So figured <laughs> I'd give you a disagreement. Anyway, thanks for taking my call. You have a good one and bye bye. I, I was honestly wondering if anybody would really like I knew a lot of people would because it's blowing up. Um, and I, I would actually agree it's probably not the greatest song in the world as far as music is concerned, which is why I, I kind of prefaced it as I don't even know what to call it. It's not like a song or like music. It's it's more like art and it's a story. Um, and I think it, it maybe just has to do more with like how much you relate to it. If you don't relate to it, then it's just kind of like this is kind of a weird little thing happening and it's kind of theatrical and kind of weird i don't know but i think if you can relate to it then it has more um i i kind of went through that with somebody had recommended something kind of similar and i listened to it and i didn't super relate to it so it was just kind of and and the i guess the style of music was not what i was expecting i thought it was going to be a little bit different um so i didn't i didn't get into it as much even though you know again there's people reviewing it bawling their eyes out or whatever so to each their own it's no big deal, but you like Ozark. That's more important, I think. So, congrats, and I'm I'm excited for you. I'm a first timers, man. I'm excited. Hey, Ryan. So I'm just kind of thinking this morning. So like when you, so you know, we like drafting defensive guys from Georgia. You know, yeah. Clearly, I I kind of nowadays wonder. Hey, wonder what Georgia defensive guy we're going to draft this year, right? So, my question is like. When you draft, like, a linebacker from, you know, a team like that has a defense like Georgia, where, like, half the team is elite, right? Yeah. Does that, like, skew their stats and stuff in the positive? Probably. Because everyone around them, like, everyone's doing their job. You know, their defensive line's getting good pressure. The cornerbacks are glued to the receivers. The linebackers are plugging the holes. Like, would you rather 
draft a elite, you know, cornerback from Georgia or an elite cornerback from like I don't know, Mississippi State. Like a team that's maybe not the best, but they still play good, you know, competition, still playing the SEC or, you know, Marquette even, and they're still playing the Big Ten. I mean, like, what? I don't know. I was kind of wondering if maybe just because you come come from a thing where everyone's good, it almost makes everyone better, you know. So maybe when you throw that guy out there on himself and he's not with a complete elite defense, now he don't look so good. I don't know. Just kind of spitballing. Uh, and uh, as far as the draft goes, I can't wait for them to draft totally the wrong person I thought of. <laughs> but I don't really like oh, to get it's into the draft. So I like bad. looking at uh, players and stuff, but. Can't get excited because anyone I want won't get picked. They never pick any who position I want. they want. Will not get picked. They pick who um, I don't want every time. I, I was okay with some of the recent. I mean, the Rashawn Gary draft when you were doing a live. I did what you did. So yeah. I actually turned my laptop off, and <laughs> walked in the circle, and said things. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. He's good. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't just pick somebody that I have no idea and won't even think we is on our radar for DD. But anyway, so yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, you know picking a defensive guy from either an elite defense or a, a, just a, maybe a team that is an elite defense but plays good. Uh, to me, it seems like it might be better that the guy can stand out on the zone. But what do you think? Let me know. Peace. I want the Georgia guy because I'm not drafting based on statistics. I'm bat- drafting based on traits. And I'm assuming the team, the, you know, a team like Georgia is stacked with guys that have elite traits. So, yeah, their stats might be skewed, but it's because it's a defense full of freaks, and I want one of those freaks. Um Maybe I'm giving too much credit to uh, to the to the scouts and and not staring at the stats and whatnot, but um, yeah, I mean, it, look, the guys like Eric Stokes, I don't know, I I don't know what the first thing about his stats. I have no idea, and and yeah, you know, if there's a pass rush and whatnot, it's going to make the stats look better than what they would be if he was on a different team. But he's still Eric Stokes. He's still this big, long, tall, fast, freak son of a gun. And again, I'm hoping that Gutekunst and his staff aren't just saying, dude, he's fast and look at those stats. It's, it's you know, all the traits and everything else that they have. And again, where do the traits guys go? They go to places like Georgia and Alabama and all the top schools, Ohio State and whatnot. Um, so yeah, if, if, if you asked me just off the top without even knowing any players, we're going to grab a, a random defensive tackle one of them is going to be from georgia and one of them is going to be from you know auburn which one do you want give me georgia anyways i am getting scolded by the wife i need to get upstairs and help put the kids to bed and whatnot so you folks have yourselves a fantastic night i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye